This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist and I've lived and worked in Fayetteville, Arkansas for almost 30 years. I started Self Work five years ago in order to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might already be very interested in emotional, psychological issues. Maybe you're in therapy. To those of you who've just been diagnosed or are dealing with some kind of problem that you are having some struggles understanding or knowing what to do but also to a third group of you, to those of you who might mm, be a bit disdainful about the whole therapy process, thinking it's just for people who can't make up their minds or who are weak. And I'm here as testament to the idea that I don't believe that. I believe it takes a lot of courage to go into therapy. And perhaps by listening to self-work, you'll learn what I mean. Welcome to all of you. The last two episodes, we featured two really wonderful conversations, one with Brian Premack and the other with Talia Marone-Chance, on subjects that I grew to really appreciate their expertise within. I learned a lot, and I hope you did too. Before we get started, I want to thank Brandy Noodle, (laughs) I love that, for a review she left on Apple Podcasts. She says, I listen to Dr. Margaret with my morning coffee every Friday. I've learned so much from her podcast, and she's down to earth. I particularly enjoyed the most recent You Are What You Click episode that was the one with Brian Piermack. I listened twice. <laughs> Dr. Margaret is so engaging, even when interviewing a guest. Thank you. You know, I've really worked on that. I, I was pretty nervous when I first started a couple of years ago, because these are people that I really admire, and their books have done very well. So I appreciate that feedback. You can tell that she's always open to learning from others and asks great questions that make the conversation go deeper. I'm glad to have her podcast as part of my weekly routine. And as a side note, I swear that my cat enjoys her too. (laughs) When the intro music to Dr. Margaret's podcast starts playing, (laughs) Purry settles down to listen right beside me. Keep on keeping on, Dr. Margaret, and thank you for all that you share to help us listeners. You are so welcome. It is really my honor. And I can tell that a lot of you are telling your friends or something is going on because the podcast is growing by leaps and bounds in 2022. So thank you. You're my best marketing team. And of course, I'd appreciate any other kind of reviews or ratings that you can leave wherever you listen. Thank you so very much, Brandy. Today, I decided that there had been enough time that I really had not answered too many email questions, and so I was getting fantastic ones and decided that's what I wanted to do with this particular episode. So we'll be talking about perfectly hidden depression, avoiding rabbit holes, healing from narcissistic moms, and terminating relationships with parents, your questions and my answers. We also want to thank our sponsor, Athletic Greens, today. If your 2022 isn't getting started off the way you want it to, I can promise you that Athletic Greens could help, and they have a wonderful offer for you today. That's coming a bit later. But here are the emails, your questions, and my answers. Here's the first one. 
I've been a listener since you first started the podcast. I believe it was episode three where I began to trust your voice and find comfort and understanding in your words. Wow. I'm also in the closed Facebook group. I've never emailed you, but I wanted to introduce myself now. I identify with perfectly hidden depression, and I struggle with CPTSD from years of abuse. That's complex PTSD, both in childhood and adulthood for 35 years. I lived under the control and abuse of one predator or another, but I turned 36 last week. The search for freedom and healing has been terrifying, confusing, and sometimes beautiful. I've been able to compartmentalize my pain and emotions and function through the day. That's the perfectly hidden depression part. I'm an attorney in a very busy practice, and I love serving my clients. It feels good to put those bad feelings aside and be productive and upbeat for a while. I pour everything I have from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. into the office and then at home with my kids. But after that, I'm done and go straight to bed. But more recently, the ability to compartmentalize away the trauma has diminished, and I feel myself falling. And then, since the news of Chesley Crist's suicide, I've not been feeling well at all. I'll note here that I have a strong support system and a wonderful trauma counselor, so I'm getting the help I need. Chesley's story could be mine, accomplished professional who appears happy, but inside, she's not okay. My heart just aches for Chesley's family and for everyone who is struggling with suicide. Your brief podcast about her really moved me, and I felt compelled to write to you and say thank you for helping me through these podcasts and the Facebook group. The story about Chesley Christ was a You Get the Gist several weeks ago. This is a young woman who was Miss USA for a long time because of the pandemic, and she killed herself in a very dramatic fashion several weeks ago now. If you want to check out that episode, it aired on February the 1st. And it's called a YGTG, or you get the gist. So let me answer. First of all, I'm so glad that this listener has realized the enormity of her trauma, as well as how she's compartmentalized it. And yet, it's beginning to seep out. She's had a year away from that active vigilance from those predators. And my guess would be that she's feeling safe enough to begin to slowly let go of that camouflage and her major defense system that being stowing away her emotions and memories, even pushing them out of her conscious awareness. That's what compartmentalization is or can be. She says she even has the physical sense of falling, and she may literally feel the armor coming off as her work in therapy and her trust in her therapist begins to offer her a safe enough space to connect with feelings that have long been repressed. And it sounds as if Chesley's choice to end her life triggered something very deep in her, something very powerful. All of you, please be careful with that. Someone dying by suicide can seep into your soul. Please talk to your therapist about how her death is affecting you or anyone's death. There is one thing about trauma work. No matter how safe a therapist makes it, the very act of opening a tightly closed-up experience because it was so emotionally difficult can be very hard. Going slowly is paramount and making sure that you're working on only as much as you can handle. Given the life you have to return to after the session, it's outpatient therapy, the kids, your job. And frankly, it can feel worse before it feels better. Extra sessions may be needed, and if financial concerns arise because of that, those needs should be discussed openly. But the good news is that the relief of unburdening your soul, of honoring that child who's carried so much shame, of breaking the silence that was demanded of you as a victim, can be life-altering. So go slowly. The other thing that comes readily to mind in reading this email is that she says, I pour out everything I have from 9 to 5. 
Maybe that's something that needs to change. That's often what's done with perfectly hidden depression as a distraction defense. If I'm incredibly busy all the time, I won't have any energy to think or, more importantly, feel. So this listener's own boundaries around work and giving to others is likely something that needs addressing. Good luck to you. I'm honored to be a part of your healing process. All right. Great, great email. And certainly, again, anytime someone dies by suicide, be it a friend, a colleague, a celebrity, someone you don't know, but it just tugs at your heart, please, please be very careful. Here's the second email. I've listened to your show from the very beginning. This was the second person that told me that. That was really wild. And it's helped me overcome many personal issues, give me tools to move forward, and believe it or not, to help friends who struggle. That's great news. So thanks for your wisdom. I wish you sold Dr. M t-shirts because I would totally wear it. (laughs) And she laughs. And, you know, I thought about selling self-work t-shirts, but anyway. And she says, anyway. I am 45 years old with two adult kids. I am divorced two and a half times. I say two and a half because I was in a serious relationship with a guy that I had a baby with in high school. Anyway, the most recent divorce happened two and a half years ago. This is the first time that I have been alone in my entire life without my parents or a significant other in my life. I've grown in so many wonderful ways in the past couple of years, but I'm feeling like something is missing and Maybe I have a lack of motivation, or maybe I'm lazy, fearful, I have FOMO, I'm uninspired, I'm not sure. I'm very successful at my job, and on paper, I seem like I'm living my best life now. But there are times when I fight with depression and feel really bad. I call it going down a rabbit hole. I feel guilty for wanting or craving more in my life when I know it looks like I'm doing just fine. Ugh! I've just started taking antidepressants and seeing a wonderful therapist in the past month. So far, the meds have lifted my energy almost instantaneously. So I guess I want to know what can I do in those rabbit hole moments? Again, great questions. I say, whoa, first, thank you for being such a loyal listener. I'm very humbled. But painfully, I hear shame from this listener. She says she's grown in wonderful ways, which is tremendous work, and not making the mistake of getting into another relationship before she's done that work. And she's 45 with two grown children, so that means she's been a very young mom, also hard. But there's nothing wrong with feeling like something is missing, or that depression can sometimes make an appearance and be lurking underneath that life that looks good on paper. I did an Instagram post just this week and yesterday because the word seems is so important. She or he seems like they're doing okay. We've got to stop believing that what someone seems or what you seem is how you are. We also talked a few episodes ago about the process of therapy being like peeling an onion. And it may just be that there's another level of pain or experience that literally is pulling this listener under and what she calls a rabbit hole. You look like you're doing fine, but actually being fine are two different things. When I think of going down a rabbit hole, which I have done, (laughs) I think of repeating habitual patterns of thinking or feeling or acting that you're trying to stay away from. You can see the rabbit hole. You may even try to walk around it, but its power is strong. And you find yourself feeling what you don't want to feel or acting in a way you're really trying to change. It's very hard to break habits, mental habits, emotional habits, physical habits, And your brain has to have time to actually build new neural pathways so that your thoughts can change. Hopefully, the antidepressants can help that. 
I get that this listener feels like she should be happy with her life, but something's nagging at her, and she's just piling on guilt about that. So, there are two possibilities. Perhaps there are probably more than that, but I have time to talk about two. It's possible that she has expectations from life that are perhaps immature. What did she think her life would be at 45? But I have a feeling that there's something that she's not addressed. Maybe anger, maybe grief, I don't know. What does she feel that she should be motivated to or be and why? Again, kudos to this listener for reaching out for help and another perspective. If I have one wish for self-work, it's that listeners will experience how therapy might be helpful here. This isn't therapy, but at least you get a taste of what it might be like. Therapists don't have all the answers, but we do have experience working with people just like you. And as I've said many times, I often feel like a conduit where the person sitting in front of me now is benefiting from what I learned from another patient long ago. Please let me know how things go and what you figure out that maybe is a clue about what you're yearning for. And try, if you can, to not shame yourself for wanting more. Something still feels not done, and that's normal. Let's stop for a minute and hear from Athletic Greens and their offer. They're not only trying to help you, but they're trying to help the environment. And I'm so impressed by that. Again, I finish mine every morning, and I feel so good about it. So let's hear from Athletic Greens. Our partner, AG1, has a product I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens, frankly, because they were interested in sponsoring self-work. And I never recommend something to you without trying it first. With one scoop of AG1, whose taste is somewhere between sweet and tart to me, you'll get 75 high-quality minerals, vitamins, probiotics, adaptogens, and whole food source superfoods, which support everything from your gut to your immune system to your energy level. I love it because whether I'm home and about to go out for a walk or traveling and about to spend time with friends and family, I can start my day proactively, knowing I'm doing something for my own self-care. If you're like me, self-care can get lost for sure. In fact, its founder, after having severe gut issues, realized he was taking over $100 a day worth of supplements, which had their own very complicated dosage routine, so he created Athletic Greens. To make it easy, and because you're a self-work listener, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is to visit athleticgreens.com slash selfwork Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash selfwork to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, third email. Hi, Margaret. I just discovered your podcast last week, and I started binging so many episodes because it's truly feeding my soul. I got out of a very troubling narcissistic relationship last year. I got into therapy shortly after the breakup because of the sheer panic and anxiety just being away from him caused and the distance this relationship created between everyone else who matters in my life. Because of the trauma bond that was created between us, I don't trust myself anymore. Is there a podcast that you suggest that I listen to to help build trust in myself again while dealing with the trauma bond? So I reached out and wrote her back. Your question is a great one, and I may use it as a podcast topic. But generally, my advice to anyone getting out of a relationship is to wait quite a bit before you select another, especially if there was abuse or maltreatment of any kind in the relationship. It's wonderful you've gotten into therapy. That's a fantastic first step. 
What time has to offer is to allow you to see your own role in missing cues that were likely there. I had one patient tell me that she called this believing the story I told myself. I love that phrase. Perhaps other issues that influenced you in your choice of partner. You have to know you've changed enough to choose differently, that you won't accept a relationship where you don't have a voice, for example. I'll also share with you that this advice is by far the piece of advice of mine that isn't followed. (laughs) It's hard to wait. I know I lived this mistake out, so I know how hard it is, and I know how important it is. Then she wrote me back and explained even more. I've shared your podcast with a best friend of mine who's very much like me. We both grew up with mothers that had narcissistic tendencies and now find those actions as love when shown by coworkers, friends, and partners. So we are both healing on those childhood traumas so we can stop attracting or build better boundaries around those people who have those narcissistic tendencies. And then that's when I had my aha moment. Because she's talking about learning what love felt like by being mothered by someone with narcissistic traits. So she says very wisely, and now I find those actions as love. I think she means I define those actions or that dynamic as love. Yes, yes, yes. That's what we all do. We find and we search out what's familiar, or at least it's a dynamic. However a parent or parents loved us, whether they were self-centered, protective, unsafe, or smothering, we walk away from that family thinking that's love. And that's often what we call love when we look for intimacy. Now you may say, I know I don't want to repeat what happened in my family, but the issue and the confusion is still there. I'll use myself as an example, as I often do. My mother was very smothering and protective. Sorry if you've heard this story before but I think it's good for me to use myself. And there were very few boundaries between us. I didn't want that in a partner, but guess what kind of person I grew to be attracted to? Because underneath the surface, I was terribly insecure. So I looked for partners who liked control. But I also hated that dynamic. And this time with them, I fought back and it made for chaos. So unless we have a lot of clarity about how love was defined in our families, then we can easily continue choosing the same battle over and over until you get clear. Great comment. I'm glad you got your friend to bounce things off of. Thanks so much for writing in. Here's the last one. I'm a young wife and mother of two boys, ages four and two. I'm so thankful and blessed. I stumbled across your website while researching how to deal with my mother, who fits the bill of borderline personality disorder, likely the waif category. I listened to your podcast, The Emotionally Abusive Mother, which, by the way, is one of the most listened to podcasts I have done, and I appreciate the insights you shared. My parents are getting divorced, hopefully soon, and since their separation two years ago, my relationship with my mother has gone from her dominating me at least one day a week of my time to her being hostile with my spouse, and then to us setting boundaries and withdrawing for her for at least a season, to her inappropriately contacting our friends and family to get them on her side and to force a reconnection, to us then reconnecting to make family gatherings with siblings easier, to now offering once-a-month visits and virtually no communication in between. In fact, we have blocked her. My greatest desire is to be a healthy wife and mama to my own family. I spend much of the separation from my mother learning healthy emotional habits and processing pain and anger about the relationship to do just that. 
I often was reminded of this pain and felt guilt by her efforts to get in touch via friends and family. And let me say real quickly here, her mother probably sensed that she would feel that guilt and then manipulated that guilt. People with borderline traits have an innate tendency to know what you really care about and the kind of person you're trying to be. Again, it's not easy to be borderline. In fact, it's a very difficult life. But they can be, as a group, very manipulative. Okay, continuing. However, since we reconnected, I feel a deep burden every time we schedule a visit or communicate to plan one. I don't want to keep dragging through the mire emotionally because of her or to physically cringe and have stress because of her. I know I can never expect her to change or act differently. Do I just have to keep growing and learn to be okay with her occasional presence? How can I put my family through the emotional ups and downs I feel because of this relationship? The times in my life I have been healthiest emotionally have been the years I lived out of state from her and the year we recently spent in separation. I often wish she was out of my life. Before my parents' separation, we had some boundaries, and I thought it was worth the occasional chaos to have her in my life. Now, she brings no joy to me or my family. I look forward to your response and appreciate your time. Very, very difficult. I remember years ago that one of my friends who was in therapy wrote her parents to say that she needed time completely away from them. This was what she and her therapist had decided. In fact, it was a year, and she took that time. I was still in grad school and thought that was a terrible idea. It was very judgmental on my part, by the way. I kept that to myself, but I didn't understand. I now understand that there are times when those boundaries are needed and actually necessary because I know so much more about the characterological disorders that exist because of addictions that can cause so much havoc and heartbreak in families. So I'm now on board with sometimes that is necessary. I have two major thoughts here. One, if you do continue to see her sporadically, if that's your decision, what work would you have to do to prevent you having such an emotional response so that your family doesn't need to see you go through the emotional ringer once again? One of the books that I really like that talks about this is Understanding the Borderline Mother. And then because she talks about at the end of the book, really how to stay out of that emotional vortex. I've certainly worked with people through the years who have to state very clearly what topics can be discussed with their borderline loved one or what expectations of a visit are. And if those boundaries aren't honored, if those expectations aren't kept, then the visit ends. Plain and simple. You don't get mad. You don't get hurt. It's just planned by the rule book. I also wonder if you're struggling with the belief that perhaps this time your mom will act differently since maybe it was better last time. That trend will continue. Yet if she suffers with untreated borderline traits, then that's highly unlikely. And her attempt at manipulation of your friends and family for her to be seen as the victim indicate that her taking responsibility for her impact is something very far away for her. So my first thought is, how would you begin to handle it more logically and less emotionally? Maybe you and your therapist can talk about that. But here's my second thought. I do some journaling or therapy around the idea of grieving the mother you could have had but didn't and don't. If you feel guilt about the choice to end the relationship, then that guilt will plague you. Whereas if you work through the grief, it's far less likely to. A patient comes to mind who had set certain boundaries with her mom who stated she wouldn't follow them 
These had to do with hurtful things the grandmother would say to her grandchildren in a hurtful way she'd act toward them. My patient ended the relationship with her mom at that point, stating that if her mom changed her mind, she'd always be open to trying again. But this went on for years. Her mom never tried to approach. She recently learned her mom was very ill. She tried to reach out, and the mom refused to communicate, nor did her father. She wasn't the only one in her family who got this kind of treatment, so at least that was helpful. But she still had to go through a grieving process again. Grief is hard to feel, but it's healthier to feel than guilt. Depending on the children's age, I'd also talk with them about either choice you make. Let them know you're protecting them as well as yourself. I don't mean to make this sound easy. It's not. If your mom is experiencing the emotional turmoil of borderline personality, then her reasoning will often be irrational, and that is so hard to accept. But let me say this as we finish up. I don't believe love is supposed to be unconditional, meaning that there's nothing that can be said or done that changes it. Maybe a spiritual kind of love can be unconditional, but normal love, love between parents, love between children, love between friends and spouses, normal love can be used up. I've seen really fine, healthy people who tried everything to be there for a parent or a child, a friend or a spouse, and they finally have to give up and painfully recognize that when you have someone who refuses to take responsibility for their actions, who will blame you, curse at you, scream at you, attack you, avoid you, and then try to manipulate As tragic as that is, it's okay to let go. And when that happens, one of the things you can do is to get very clear about allowing that person into your life. What would have to happen for you to do that? And I would make those expectations very, very clear. Good luck to you. It's a tough road. Thank you all for being here at Self Work. Again, as I said in the intro, the podcast is growing by leaps and bounds, so you are my best marketing team. So please keep sharing with your friends, with your family, about how Self Work has helped you. And of course, I love to get ratings and reviews. That's very, very meaningful. My book, Perfectly Hidden Depression, a book I'm very proud of because it not only has 60 steps for you to begin to Loosen the control that you have over yourself, your actions, your feelings, your beliefs, and challenge them very gently so that you can have more self-awareness, more self-acceptance in your life. It's really not just for perfectionists. It's for people who are hiding how bad they feel. In fact, I'm working on a workbook right now, and I really want to call it, it's what you're not saying, because we all do that. We all say, oh, I'm fine, and it's what you're not saying that's important. And that's what Perfectly Hidden Depression, the book now, tries to address. And of course, you can leave me a rating and review on that. I'm always delighted to get those. They're very, very meaningful that someone takes the time to do that. You can email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretbrotherford.com. You can leave me a speak pipe message. I would love that, too, because I get to hear your voice, and I get to hear your inflection. You can find that on my website. You can also subscribe to my website, and you'll get a weekly newsletter that includes maybe what I'm doing, some of what I'm doing, but also just a handy-dandy link to the podcast or the blog post. The Facebook group that the patient talks about is at facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. That's facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. 
Thank you again so very much. Take very good care in these strange times. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.